Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Roto World Football Show, the final Roto World Football Show before draft weekend, the final Roto World Football Show before the regular season. I'm Patrick Darty, joined by Denny Carter, Kyle Dvorak. We just got to spend the week in person together, and sure, now we all hate each other, but uh, I think it's still <laughs> worth it. Uh, we haven't we haven't texted or spoken since, and uh, <laughs> I can't stop crying. But other than that, it went great. No, it did go great. We've got the podcast in person the other day, which is amazing, yeah. but. We were podcasting back on StreamYard. I was made fun of saying StreamYard. Uh, I'm like a Midwestern freak, apparently. Yard. Uh, I don't yeah, know. It sounds like a very Yinzer way of saying. It, it is very Yinzer. I'm not a Yinzer, by the way. I'm a I'm a true I'm a true Midwesterner. By the Pennsylvania is not the Midwest. I don't care what you tell you. It's you know. You know what? The problem is with Pat's uh, pronunciation issues is that he thinks too much. He's a smart guy. He's a very <laughs> smart guy. And but that's he was a detriment problem. sometimes. He can't stop thinking. I would I would appreciate if Pat just turned off the brain and said Streamyard. Denny has witnessed me curled in the fetal position in the exact corner of a room, obsessing over uh, a player's pr- name pronunciation or a guest, and the guest's like, I don't, I don't even care. Whatever <laughs> <laughs> you want, call me. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just silently sobbing because I want to say their name perfectly. Uh, you know, it's from a whole life of being a Darty who's called Doherty. It's Darty, folks. I mean, how hard could it really be? You know, this weird Irish ethnic name with 7,000 uh, <laughs> syllables or not syllables. Uh, what do you call those? Uh, vowels? Letters? No, uh, no, uh, no, not vowels. There's a lot of vowels in my name, too. Uh, you know, uh, da, ger, t. What do you call those? Uh, uh, silent letters? No, like, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Sounds syllables? like you're describing it syllables. syllables. I am describing syllables. I'm, syllables. Uh, it's been a long week. <laughs> Even at producer Adam is in chat like Pat. It's syllables. Where are you looking uh, for? I'm cracking up. Uh, I'm cracking up. Uh, you need to like call you. a doctor. I, I do. I am actually at the doctor. They've asked me several times to turn off my webcam and to not be podcasting. <laughs> um, have you Have you guys considered having a simple last name like Carter? No, we have not. Yeah, Kyle's. I, I, you think Darty's hard? Divorce? Yeah, Pat, you. I've I've worked here for like three years or four years and in year two you were still asking me how to say it yeah Dvorak. you gotta Dvorak. Dvorak. you gotta hit the thing with any complicated last name you just gotta hit it hard that's you why do. i tell people darty like just don't even like, just hit it hard darty like you are like blast you see like the tiniest <laughs> hole ever between darty. the right guard and the center and you just blast it um speaking of the running game we have not yeah. talked about jonathan taylor uh, being shut down for the first four games of the season. We haven't talked about the fallout for the Dolphins backfield. I think we kind of all thought Jonathan Taylor was going. He didn't go to the Dolphins. We thought that meant Jeff Wilson's season, at least as the goal line back. But right as we were going to air here, Jeff Wilson is on IR. Was I guess he has to miss at least three games then. Four. Four. Is it four? Okay. Um, either way, things are messed up in the Colts backfield. Things are now messed up in the Dolphins backfield. Danny, I'll start with you. What does this even mean for the Dolphins? I don't know where to rank Evan Hall. I don't know if Jonathan Taylor's <laughs> ever going to play another snap for the Colts. Yeah. Just start giving us your thoughts. Well, look, uh, about Miami, first of all, really is not good for my teams that Jeff Wilson is out for the first month of the season. So nevertheless, there. Um, you know, you have uh, Devon Shane injured, a shoulder injury. Um, I haven't seen an update on him 
recently, very recently, but I, I you know, Raheem Mostert's the last guy standing, I guess. And then you have Salvin Ahmed, uh, and that's the list right now. Um, I guess maybe the Dolphins, like the Colts, become potential landing spots for Kareem Hunt. Who Jeff seems- Wilson, by the way, he's only out for four games so far. I, oh, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I thought I heard but, you say the season. I'm, you have to remember, I'm having a nervous breakdown. I, I may have said. Something. We always know but, that. We know it's always going. So uh, yeah, I mean, uh, um, so I guess yeah, I mean, Moster, if you're drafting this weekend and you need some early season running back touches to get you get you through if, if from a zero RB standpoint, this is what we're always kind of chasing. I guess, I guess Mostert makes for a pretty nice pick. Mostert is live. I mean, what about Devin A. Shane? What is even his health status? Uh, again, a guy we talked about a lot in the spring and since the summer started, they're just like, uh, they, like, honestly, I don't know if they remember they have him. Like they didn't really talk about him at all in August. He's been bad. Oh no, A chain. They remember they have him. Once you get to the third quarter of a preseason game, that's when you find out that you have Devin A chain on your roster. Dude was playing deep into yeah. these very exhibition level games. Uh, great. So are we not? Is Raheem Mostert the only one we're drafting? I, I suppose. I, well, I I would say uh, Salvan Salvan Ahmed is probably m- way more likely to see early season touches than A chain. What about is he more likely than Miles Gaskin? How do we even talk? No, they, they, actually, they cut Miles Gaskin okay, and he got claimed right. or picked up by I, I don't remember if he went through waivers Thank or not, God. but by the Vikings. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, I haven't. I should probably catch up on those final cuts. Uh, I haven't done the. Yeah, there's a, a website where you can do that called rotoworld.com. Check it out. Trying to do my final rankings. I threw Evan Hall in like the 40s because I just feel like I have no idea how the Colts non Jonathan Taylor committee is going to shake out. I have no idea if the four games Jonathan Taylor misses, it could be more. If Evan Hall will even be valuable. Like he's not going to be an RB2 off the jump. Is RB like 43, 44, that kind of range too low for Evan Hall, Kyle? Is how in the heck do we approach the Colts backfield? By the way, the rest of the show, we're going to talk about bold predictions. I hadn't said that yet. Uh, we're going to get away from these super gross backfields. Talk about stuff that's a lot more I love fun. super gross backfield. I, 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 I could talk about this for 30 minutes. I know. Yeah, you. I mean, this is going to 100% dictate, like, the entire waiver wire run for the first four weeks of the season. So, like, definitely want to get out ahead of it, even though, like, these are absolute nightmares. I, I'm taking Evan Hole out of the backs that are in the Indianapolis backfield right now, but I'm doing so with little confidence, and I'm mostly doing so because he seems to have a skill set that I, I doubt we really see much usage for for the other two backs. The second one being Zach Moss, who hasn't played in the preseason at all, has a broken arm. I believe he had surgery to uh, like to help heal the broken arm. Possibly ready for week one, but we don't have a definitive uh, update on that yet. But Hull was an elite pass catching back in college. I thought he was a fine runner coming out of college, but he had 50 catches for like 550 yards and a handful of scores in his final season at Northwestern. If there's one of the players between him, Deion Jackson and Zach Moss, who have a very specific thing they can do that is valuable to the backfield, it's Evan Hull. I know for sure, right? I think it's pretty likely that he's the best pass catcher. I think he'll play on third downs. He'll play the two minute drill. And then there's some room for him to also play on early downs. So I'm taking Hull. And more so, I'm not taking Dion or Zach Moss because it could absolutely be either one of them who gets the between the tackles work. So I, yeah, Evan Hall uh, led all of college football last year in, in running back targets, receptions, and receiving yards. I mean, he's he's his production profile is insane. It's really good. Um, I don't think he'll get that early down role. But I do have to note that he has that dog in him. And uh, I think that he could kind of 
maybe split the early down stuff and play play on on passing downs and and that, that's pretty good that's a pretty good role I do wonder if the Colts without Jonathan Taylor almost just kind of abandon the traditional run game and go much more in the the check down like as as a, an extension of the running game run game and the run game is really just kind of some cannon fodder Zach Moss whoever else touches a lot of checkdowns, some like really well-timed Anthony Richardson designed runs in addition to the inevitable scrambles. And that yeah, there's no, besides Evan Hall catching passes, there's just nothing you can rely on in this backfield right now. And I, yeah, Hall's not tiny either. You think about like, oh, the guy right. who led all running backs in catches in college, that dude is 100% playing at New Mexico State. He's 5'8", 185. Uh, no, he goes, went to a Big Ten school and was well over 200 pounds. Like he has at least the size to take on a meaningful amount of between the tackles work and the skill set to be the clear passing down work. Here's a question for you guys is let's like, I kind of think Jonathan Taylor's played his last snap in Indy. It seems like this is so, so, so fractured beyond repair that they'll eventually just trade him. Even if they're like healthy, scratching him essentially throughout the year until the trade deadline is him not playing better or worse for Anthony Richardson's fantasy value. Far worse, far, far worse. Oh, I disagree. No, no, I think it is far, far worse that he needed the defense opposing defenses to have something else to focus in on other than him. Now they can devote all their game planning, all their scheming attention to shutting down what will probably be a pretty rudimentary passing attack right off the bat. As we just outlined, there's absolutely no one viable to absorb those lost early down touches, those between the tackles touches. I, I think it's extremely bad for Anthony Richardson to have no chance to deliver. I think it's a wash. I don't think it matters if Taylor's in the backfield. It absolutely I, I, does. It really, really does. And I saw the I'm debate erupting. So how could it not matter? Like, I mean, it, do you think this moved their win total at all? No. No, because they were, it was already so low. It's just why well, it can't go any lower, essentially. But like, how? Well, it could, but like, how can a rookie quarterback who like is universally agreed upon is not ready to be an NFL passer? Or at least before the defense had one other thing to think about. One of the only running backs in the league who does matter. Apparently no running back matters enough to get a first round pick anymore, obviously. Probably not enough to get a second round pick. But one of the only opposing running backs that is actually game planned for. And now he doesn't have to be game planned for. It's it's bad news for Anthony Richardson. Yeah, I'm not totally. totally, The line did not move. Uh, That's totally irrelevant. A, A team that was already horrible is still horrible. But a setup that was bad has just gotten much worse. For a, but if the setup got worse, that would mean they're less likely to win games. Like, what well, they're going to move the total to two and a half? I mean, what, what are they supposed to do exactly? They, they would move it down if it made a difference. They would it move makes, it down. It does make a difference. It's a flawed, flawed metric to evaluate this one. Uh, you, you, you tell the sports betters that then, because I'm going to generally lean towards the many. Okay, players. yeah, you're right. It's good for the rookie quarterback to lose his all-pro running back and have Evan Hall. Yeah, it's good. It's a wash. Like I think it's it is truly a wash. A wash. I think very bad. maybe it's a marginal loss in that they have less to focus on, but also it's the same thing with like receivers. You know what's really great for a receiver? When you're clearly the best receiver on your team. That makes it very easy to get targets. You know what's really good for Anthony Richardson is when every single play he steps on the field – Every single member of his team, he's better than. They're not going to be. They're going to be using him. I mean, more, is he? So. <laughs> we, we we have no idea. Actually, he's better than Zach Moss. I can tell you that. He's better than Zach. I mean, Denny's better than Zach Moss. I mean, <laughs> that is. Hey, I've been uh, chastised online for twenty four hours for not talking about 
Zach Moss in my Indianapolis backfield analysis. Come on, man. What are you talking about, Zach Moss? They're fired. They're fired. Stop stop with this. Apparently, Zach Moss has truthers across the country. He does. it's most of them in the Bills front. Most of them in the Bills front office. What, 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 what's going on? What did I miss? What did I miss with Zach Moss? I wasn't planning to get upset about the Colts offense. Uh, I was planning. Ten forty-five. Uh, first time I've gotten. First time I've gotten upset at someone who wasn't Korean in a while. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Could you? Could you tone it down? I kind of liked it. I need to tone it down. Yeah, I really. I, I really need to pack. That's what I need to do. <laughs> Uh, real quick before we get on to our bold predictions and final thoughts for the 2023 season just a reminder that it's rotor world draft week it's officially here all week long we've got drafts articles and more from all your favorite rotor world talent and special guests get all you need to dominate your upcoming fantasy drafts go to nbcsports.com fantasy to see the schedule of all that is happening this week and use promo code champ 2020 champ 23 excuse me to save 20% off at checkout and receive a $10 Fanatics gift card. That is NBCSports.com slash fantasy promo code CHAMP23 to save 20% off at checkout and receive a $10 Fanatics gift card. Amongst the stuff we've got coming, a live draft with Kyle Dvorak, Denny Carter, myself, a lot of special guests, John Daigle, Ian Harditz, Scott Pianowski from Yahoo Sports, amongst them. I have a final draft weekends, like kind of like crunch time, rankings coming up which now i have to adjust because i had just moved up jeff wilson this morning and not a joke actually i did that yesterday too i did the same thing Uh, oh yeah kyle can you update our draft guide yeah i'll do it don't worry can you do that uh i don't have time to email you after the podcast because i have to pack um so i'm just gonna ask you to do that here um since i was yelling at kyle i'm gonna let kyle take the lead with his first bold prediction for the 2023 season kyle what are some of your bold thoughts you have going into week one Yeah, I am far from the first person to claim this on their podcast, but I at least like to throw my hat into the ring to be early on Tony Pollard as the RB1 overall. We will be considering him as the 101 next year. I still think we'll probably end up taking Justin Jefferson over him, but in the way that we're like, if you want to take a running back, McCaffrey's your guy. I think I, I know Tony Pollard has that potential. I think he's got a realistic shot at getting there. Last year, the Cowboys ranked fourth and expected fantasy points for their running backs. That's rushing and receiving combined. They rank second in running back carries inside the five yard line. And as you may have known, Zeke got a lot of those. He ranked third in the entire NFL in carries inside the far five yard line. There is no Zeke. And not only is there no Zeke, they cut Malik Davis. They're putting Deuce Vaughn and Rico Doddle as the backups to, uh, as the backups, to Tony Pollard. If they had kept Zeke, if they had brought in a Kareem hunt, if they had made any significant moves, I would be a little bit afraid of Tony Pollard's role at the goal line. I like they haven't used him that way before, even though he's clearly a superior back to Ezekiel Elliott for years on end. But I, they seem all their actions tell me they finally have come to the light on this one and they recognize this. So not only do I think Tony Pollard has that goal line role, he has a team that wants to, I think probably play balance. I don't think they're going to be like Denny's Denny's talked about. I don't think they're going to be as, as run heavy in a way that hurts the team as the sort of Mike McCarthy faders have pointed out throughout the offseason, I think they'll probably be a pretty neutral team in a way that is good for the running backs, but doesn't hurt the team overall, at least in the sense of they're not just completely punting off expected points by running the ball. And they're not going to be doing that with Zeke either. Not only do we have the role, we have the elite efficiency. We also have Tony Pollard being an elite pass catcher. 
in uh, last year, he was, or actually since entering the league, he is top five in yards after the catch per reception. He is top 10 in yards per route run among running backs. He's just like 100% the complete package. He has been the complete package as a running back ever since he entered the league. And now finally, uh, three to five years too late, we're getting it all coming together. You could argue almost with Tony Pollard that the floor is an Austin Eckler season and that he has more attainable ceiling just that, I mean, I guess Austin Eckler does get a lot of goal line carries. It's easy to forget how many. Yeah, that's the thing is like Austin Eckler's not putting 300 carries on the field, but he is, he's getting like as many goal line carries as Derrick Henry or whatever, you know? Yeah, I think Tony Pollard, I think, will get more overall carries than Austin Eckler. Hopefully, most of them, more of them are at the goal line. But I guess either way, an Eckler season is basically like the the median outcome for Tony Pollard this year. Music to my ears, baby. There we go. Denny, what do you have, Dad, on Tony Pollard, if anything? He's on the cover of our magazine. You can find it at Barnes & Noble, the airport, where I need to be in 20 minutes. Uh, (laughs) I'm not not bullish. I'm not bullish on Pollard. For what reason? (laughs) Now I want you two to start yelling at each other. I I know. I'm about to. I'm so about to. Look, I... I'm a peaceful man, so I'm not going to yell, but I will. <laughs> Pollard, I, will. I don't know, man. He strikes me as the kind of back where the where in week four, we're going to be like, oh, right. They don't see him like that. Like well, they're not, they did. They did. Back, even with Ezekiel Elliott. What really. kind of back does Rico Doddle strike you as? Name three things about him. Three, two, one. I, I don't know. Where did he go to college? About- I don't know. That doesn't matter. I don't matter. know either. I don't know. I have no clue. <laughs> All right, look, look, Please real quick. Tell us where he went to college. Real, real quick, Ezekiel Elliott last year in Dallas had 16 rushing attempts inside the five. That's That was third in the league behind right. Jalen Hurts Good. and Jamal Williams. I am not taking those 16 carries and just giving them to Pollard. Like, Give that, half of them. I mean, I don't, I just, I, I, I'm not saying Pollard's going to be a total debacle where people are going to be like, oh God, do I drop Tony Pollard? That's not going to happen. But I do, I do think that like projecting him for this massive workhorse load. And I, I know you, you said on your stream yesterday, Kyle, and this is a good point that I'm going to undercut myself real quick, that he doesn't need a workhorse role. You know, just like a guy well, like Jamal Charles. We're fine punting carries on the 50 to Rico Dottle. That will happen. And I'm okay with it. Okay, right. And like he strikes me some something, not quite the running ability or whatever, but he strikes me a little bit like Jamal Charles in, the, in that you knew yes. Jamal could get by but with 15 touches, right? Like 15 touches, he could score 30 fantasy points. So I'm not I'm not discounting that. I just think that they're gonna mix in other backs to a point where it gets a little dicey. That's all. It's just the thing with Pollard is that though we we have already seen it. It's thankfully for a year or two it was pure projection of Tony Pollard where we kept like waiting for the role to materialize, but it already did. And like maybe it's a Ramondre Stevenson type situation where part of the thesis of the Tony Pollard play this season is that you were going to get another level and maybe you won't get another level. But even if you don't get another level, he's still just like in the RB six to eight range. But I just think agree with Kyle where it's actually pretty easy to envision the next level coming. I I don't think RB one, but I really do think RB three to five is just like a very, very likely outcome for Tony Pollard because they had all summer to add someone. They just didn't do it. Instead, they subtracted someone we thought was going to be the primary backup. And he all, all he was already at 200 carries last year. He could get to 220. He didn't even he only caught 40 passes last year. He could get to 50 like very easily. If he gets 220 carries, which I think is really a pretty reasonable prediction, 
and 50 receptions, like a man with his talent, yeah. you really are looking at a possible RB1 overall. Sure. Season. And yeah, the, the past game stuff could make me look just like an absolute idiot. So I'm prepared for that. Um, I just think that the the rushing opportunity for Pollard is probably less than 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 we think. But yeah, I mean, if the Cowboys are pass heavy, like Mike McCarthy teams have been, then that that really benefits Pollard. Yeah, it's I think Denny's- we're looking for somewhere in that Jamal Charles, Austin Eckler sort of range of touches where like, you know, they're, they're you know, this year, Austin Eckler, incredible dog to get more carries or more total yeah. touches than Derrick Henry. I don't care. There are like a hundred of Derrick Henry's carries we can throw away and they don't make that much of a difference. What we love about Derrick Henry's he's getting all the goal line work and he's efficient. We're going to get a very similar version of that. I think with Tony Pollard in that he's extremely efficient and he probably won't get all the goal line work. Few, few backs do, but to get an increase, a pretty significant increase in goal line work, and then to make up for the, the deficit and carries with targets, that's how you surpass like a Derrick Henry. And that's how Jamal Charles was so good. He was like, I think Denny, you said like, he's, he's maybe like pound for pound the best, like per touch running back of our life. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. With all this fighting, if we had still been in the office, we would have been uh, required to do a putt off. There's a putting green at <laughs> headquarters. I miss and, it. I want. I want to go back to there. And then uh, we are. We were supposed to bare chested wrestle too, um, <laughs> uh, to solve it. That's how you do solve problems there. Uh, but we're we're back. It is Denny's turn to give a bold prediction. But I have to jump in with my first alert, lukewarm prediction because I don't yeah. do bold predictions. Just because it ties into Kyle's, or it, it's not bold at all. But uh, I do think Bijan Robinson is going to be the RB1 overall, which I know I think Denny disagrees with that one too, don't you? <laughs> um, I, we're, I just think the three things that matter at running back are touches, goal line opportunities, and like being a big play threat. Touches, of course, incorporating receptions. We just know he's going to dominate touches. We know he's the goal line back, and they're not going to make Tyler Algier the goal line back. We know he's a huge play threat. We also know it was an already extremely efficient, well-blocked rushing attack before a top 10 running back out there. We know it's the worst division in football where all four teams have some of the easiest schedules in the league. I think even if Desmond Ritter is bad, they're not going to be in a lot of negative game script. They're going to be able to play their style of football. And I basically just can't think of a single box Bijan Robinson does not check. And with Christian McCaffrey, I don't think he can run that hot health-wise again. And even if he does, I saw the 49ers kind of like throttling off him at the end of last year, partly because he was nursing several minor injuries. Austin Eckler has definitely peaked. I think his receptions will probably fall to the 70 to 75 range this year, which is still extremely good. They're pretty good. Um, but I think Bijan honestly has the most clear cut case to finish as the RB1. And he's my prediction to finish as the RB1 with Tony Pollard then close behind as the RB2, Kyle. But Denny, mm-hmm. any thoughts on Bijan? Who mm-hmm. I guess yeah, uh, I do have some. I do have. Denny doesn't like good players anymore. Pretty interesting. I, ju- I I I do think that these exciting running backs uh, are going to be like you said, like throttled by their coaching staffs. Like you, like I, you can't discount Arthur Smith being like, "Hey, Tyler Algiers hot today. We're giving him 15 carries. It doesn't matter." Like you can see, come on, open your mind's eye and you can see this happening. Okay. And I mean, and this is all from the gut. Okay. I'm not, I can't cite any stats here except well, I can cite, I can cite one. I can't cite one. No one, a no play caller over the past, I think five years has used their RB2 more than Arthur Smith. 
That doesn't mean that the, his RB1 has not been good. It was because he didn't have an RB1 is why they were using the RB2 so much, though. All right. Well, nevertheless, I mean... Is, uh, that, is this just Smith with uh, the Falcons? Because obviously Smith with uh, Tennessee. Maybe you heard of him. Yeah. There's this little guy called the Big Dog. Big Dog. Big I, believe it, I believe it bleeds into Tennessee. I, I would believe you said that because his time with the Falcons, like, they legit... Uh, like we're getting Caleb Huntley out there for touches. Yeah. And like, so that's because that's what happens when you're starting running back as rookie Tyler Algier though. Um, <laughs> all right. So he, so Arthur Smith said two weeks ago, he said, uh, we're doing a hot hand approach in the backfield. If one guy gets hot, we're going to keep give, giving him the ball uh, behind a really good offensive line uh, against a very soft schedule, by the way, the saints and the Falcons have the, the two easiest schedules by far and away in the whole league. So they're going to be in position to establish it to Arthur Smith's heart's content. And I I, I think that Bijan is going to have some blow-up games, and I'm going to get some really, really hideous mentions on Twitter, okay? Uh, but sure. I also think Algier is not is he's not going away. Cordero Patterson, not going away. Like, I thought he wouldn't even make the team, but he did. He, he made it. He made it. So I, I, I think Robinson will be used primarily as the team's pass catching back, which is good. Uh, I just, they did not. No, 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 no. They okay. did not. That's not even the Falcons. That's all. That's all Arthur Smith has talked about for. Because they didn't need to talk about the early down stuff. The only question mark would maybe be catching passes. The NFL. They did. They didn't need to talk about Bijan on early downs because that that really is just like a certain fact. Um, Denny I mean, Tyler Algier will quote never get the hot hand. Um, I think he. I think he will. <laughs> yeah, and I will be. I'll be crying because I will be bankrupt, and I hope you're happy <laughs> about that. Yeah, to I'll me, be... for for the capital they spent on Bijan, it would be like an a historic anomaly outlier for him to not be like pushing for a league high in touches. Like the guys who are going this early in the NFL draft, I mean, throughout the course of time, have have just been immediate workhorses like you look at what we got from saquon from his two most immediate comps are saquon and zeke yeah and they both did it even like science even looking at like what leonard fournette got as a rookie or what like you know you look back throughout the the course of history even more recent history when running backs are a little more devalued even pushing that out to like the top 15 picks you still see that every one of these teams that uh does something that we think is kind of crazy spending this much capital on running back they commit to the bit uh, 100%. So to me, like, uh, I, you know, I definitely get a little, a little touch and go with Arthur Smith, you know, as someone who. Well, he has no track record bits. whatsoever of not featuring top eight rookie skill player picks. So, so I don't know. What so you guys I, I get that. That's what I'm saying. I am, uh, Have no. you guys been I'm, watching? I, you don't understand. Those were passing game weapons. Denny, there's a huge. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't love what we've seen from Arthur Smith uh, throughout my experiences with him. However, it's not enough to scare me off from such a strong data set of these top 10 picks going out and absolutely nuking. Uh, that That's what it is to me is like, yeah, I like think Arthur Smith is annoying with how he uses his players sometimes, but it would be such a catastrophic outlier for, yeah. for Bijan to like really for him to like not get to 300 touches that I I'm not worried enough. All right. All right. I mean, I get that. I, I, I will also say that Kyle Pitts was losing snaps and routes to Parker Hesse last year. Okay. So I, I, I just, I don't, I, Arthur Smith is a guy, he doesn't care about draft capital. He doesn't care about good players. He doesn't care about any of that. He wants to score 17 points and win the game. 
And I don't want, I don't, I don't want to spend my, my third overall pick on, on B. John Robinson. Cause that's really what you're going to have to do. If you well, want him, use your second overall pick on him. <laughs> that's what you do. That's how you do it. Denny will be installing a putting green in his backyard, by the way, if Tyler Angier hits this year. I will be. <laughs> It'll be nice. I'll invite you guys over. <laughs> Please, I would like to because I have really need more golf lessons. As you saw, I don't even you know do. how to putt. Yeah, you I do. need a golf lesson real bad. Denny, we're overdue to get a bold prediction from yeah. the master. You already had plenty of bold predictions actually in this show. Uh, what is an official Denny bold prediction uh, though? Other okay. than Bijan Robinson is washed. Oh, stop. Oh, my God. <laughs> No, Listen. he's a good. Denny said it. He's a good satellite back. He's a good third down guy. <laughs> Bijan is washed. He Sorry, will, he Denny. will be a good pass catching back. Um, uh, okay, look, I take no pleasure in saying this, but I I follow the numbers, um, and so I have to say, the Najee Harris is going to finish as a top twelve running back. I'm getting and a little scared about this one. I will admit, I hate I hate that. I hate it. But he's going to score a lot of touchdowns. He's going to be in a way more positive offensive environment. He has a a, a, a quarterback who is seemingly pushing the ball downfield. We've seen that a lot in the preseason. That's good. Scares defenses off a little bit. He's not going to face 10 players in the box on every single carry. I think that Jalen Warren being mixed in is not necessarily like a horrific thing. Now, top 12 is a bold take because he's it's going to require a lot of, a lot of inside the 10 touches, a lot of goal line work, but that's, that's what he's, he's going to get. So if we think, and I, and I think that the Steelers are due for massive regression in the touchdown area this year, then Najee Harris is the natural beneficiary for that. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't, I didn't draft him anywhere and I won't, but he's going to be good for for fantasy. My main worry with Najee Harris is this, that, we're underrating the single most important data point from his 2022, which was that he was playing with a list Frank injury. I don't know why he was doing this. Like why anyone yeah. thought this was a good idea. Right. Yeah, I do think it was a rookie either. That is so the like, thing. Is, that's the thing is we don't really know. I don't really know how far he had to fall, but it is possible that the single most important data point from last year was that he was playing with a list Frank injury. And we just like totally ignored that fact all summer and they're getting super excited about a 25 year old undrafted free agent out of Oklahoma state. And that it could have been just a total one year blip for Jalen Warren. It, I actually don't think that is the case. I am still yeah. more worried about Najee falling than I am rising. I have zero Najee Harris. What's Harris shares whatsoever in any of my managed leagues. Cause I do think Jalen Warren is probably going to consolidate third down work. Cause this is not a smart approach. Even if Jalen Najee Harris is like imp- improved this year, as we've seen, it's not really ever a smart approach to have like an every snap running back. And I do and, think Jalen Warren can probably consolidate, but I also do see the, the counter case that Denny is making. Yeah, and 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 I will say, and I know Kyle's about to vomit all over himself from this all this positive Najee Harris talk. I don't I don't blame you. I mean, I, I haven't done it at all, but upon further reflection, could be catastrophically wrong here. He's going as the RB ten. That that that's his that's his ADP, by the way. I mean, now now that that's a normie ADP. Now so for, Denny thinks he's going to be a bust as the RB12. Well, but but for sickos, right? For, and if you're in sicko leagues, you're getting him at RB20, 22. Okay. Not, a, not an exaggeration. So so in that way, he would be a value. So I do want to just make that uh, differentiation there. I think like the positive outcome for Najee 
still isn't that useful. He reminds me of whenever you can say, uh, oh, yeah, uh, you know, so-and-so was a QB1 last year. He played 17 games and he was the QB 16 in points per game. Of course he got to the QB one. Like that is the most likely positive sort of outcome is that Najee is out there churning out 15 half PPR points per game every week, not giving you a strong ceiling because we already saw last year, once they moved away from the decrepit Ben Roethlisberger offense, even if Kenny Pickett wasn't great, it meant they were not throwing to the running backs in the way that we saw as Najee was with a rookie. On top of that, you have someone who is a far better pass catcher than him in his own backfield. I think the targets aren't going to be there like we want them to be. You really are needing him to get 300 carries, and the offense gets them into the goal line situations more, and that's how he gets there. I think he could rack up 13, 14 touchdowns, still be a usable pass catcher, and get a lot of carries. I think even that is like a it's a what-do-you-win-when-you-win situation where, yeah, he could beat me. He could beat his ADP quite clearly, It'll be like the Brandon Cooks, you know, oh, you guys will never believe this. He's beaten his wide receiver 30 ADP three years in a row as the wide receiver 25 or whatever. The ADP 1.7 is what we call him. Always overperforms by 1.7 draft slots. Yeah. Uh, we'll be right back with more bold predictions. Following a word from our sponsor, who is us. Looking for a way to start your final Sunday before the NFL regular season? Look no further than MLB Sunday leadoff exclusively on NBC's Peacock. This week, we are featuring two teams in the thick of the National League playoff races. The Philadelphia Phillies travel to American Family Field in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to face the NL Central leading Milwaukee Brewers. Catch the action live at 12.30 p.m. Eastern, only on Peacock. And do not forget, find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. Again, I shouldn't have to say that the Brewers are leading the NL Central, but it's neither here. That's your punishment. It is neither here nor there. I was saying we're gonna go, Kyle. We're gonna go to Denny because Denny wasn't gonna. We didn't let Denny talk much. We were just yelling at him the whole first half. Of the show. <laughs> um, I kind of so, like this new format. Yeah, I was yelling at Kyle actually. I, we should have maybe let Kyle go for. But Denny, we need more molten hot takes from Denny Carter, CD Carter thirteen on X. Yeah, God, thank you for mentioning the site's name. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> Calvin Ridley, uh, top five receiver. Okay, thank um, God. I thought you were going to say bust. I was like, Pl- Denny, like, I honestly, like, how am I going to yeah. get home from this wedding in Virginia? I've got <laughs> we will not have enough money for a return. No, bust. no, listen, I, I, I kind of dismissed it because I, I just think of that Doug Peterson offense as one that kind of disperses the ball, like, around, like, no matter what. But I'm pretty sure Ridley is, like, head and shoulders above the other pass catchers in this offense. And sometimes you just have to acknowledge that. Uh, and I've, I've come around a couple weeks ago, was reading a, a Jaguars uh, beat reporter talking about, you know, uh, the preseason training camp. And I'm sorry, like I, there, there's no scenario. I should say almost no scenario in which like Christian Kirk gets in the way of, of Ridley or Evan Ingram gets in the way. You like, that's not happening. And then Rich Rebar sort of solidified that, you know, last week by pretty much convincing me that the Jags are going to be among the pass heaviest teams this year. So lots of volume, good player, good offense. Uh, you know, so give me, give me Ridley as top five. Yeah, I think I, I get a gut instinctual level. I just agree with it. Or I never got Calvin Ridley quite as high in my rankings as I've been drafting him. I think I finished with him as the wide receiver 16 
but I've recently dropped Christian Kirk out of the top 36, AKA I don't believe he's even a wide receiver three. I think I'm like the wide receiver 37 or 38 could be way too significant of a penalty. I recently moved down Evan Ingram behind Pat Fryermuth. I can't say I feel super great about that, but yeah. the way looking at those guys last year is that they did their job in 2022 for a team that needed veteran reliable targets with a rookie quarterback on the rise but that their job is just going to be different in 2023 and that all their assignments have changed now that the alpha is in town. And I never, I didn't get him in the top 12 Calvin Ridley. I don't think he'll be top five, (laughs) but I do think that we're going to get something much closer to the prime Calvin Ridley we saw in 2020 than the, the Calvin Ridley we saw in 2021 and then did not see at all in 2022. Kyle, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, if we get if we get much like if you say we get much closer to that prime twenty twenty, that dude was a baller, led the league in air yards. He was an elite receiver both in yards per route run and his share of the team's offense. And it was like a fine offense in terms of efficiency, but it was like the twilight years of Matt Ryan. It wasn't quite the corpse of Matt Ryan, but it, it was like far from the MVP season that propelled him. And I think Trevor Lawrence. It's for me safe to say Trevor Lawrence is simply a better quarterback than what we got from that best season of Calvin Ridley's quarterback play in Matt Ryan. And I think the ceiling for Trevor Lawrence is that he looks like Joe Burrow-esque in his third year. So I'm totally fine with this. And if you if you count, you know, the fifth place is top five. I really feel good about the top four receivers we have in Cup, Hill, Chase, Jefferson. That fifth spot is very much up for grabs. I think that spot is like an easy spot to sneak into in that like, sure, A.J. Brown could do it, but I think Diggs could do it. I think a lot of guys could do it. So even just like the sort of nomenclature of the getting into the top five, there's a fifth spot that's up for grabs. I I think Ridley could do it. I like this one. I'm glad we all kind of came together on this one after a rather contentious show. Yes, I'm I'm happy. I'm happy we can rally around Calvin Ridley. (laughs) I'm going to piggyback off Denny's too with my second lukewarm take because I don't do bold takes. Um, I think Stefan Diggs is going to outpoint Cooper Cup. I actually also think CeeDee Lamb is probably going to outpoint Cooper Cup. And I just think as 2021 gets further in the rearview mirror, it's going to become clearer that it was just an outlier campaign. Even though the targets did mostly transition to 2022, um, he didn't hold up on those targets. It was not a particularly great offensive approach. The offense wasn't good. Um, the, the thing, it's just still going to be a really, really bad overall offensive environment for the Rams. And I think instead of like tripling down on Cooper Cup, it's become like an even more conservative offense. They're going to be like really – I think back recommitted to the run. I think they're going to be more committed to spreading the ball around. Because again, uh, Cooper Cup was open every single play in the year 2021. Really cool stuff from the rest of the NFL. Um, Leaving them wide open every single play. It was was very. It was. It was frustrating when you were playing against the fantasy manager who had Cup because you're like, so you're just going to let this guy run free in the middle of the. (laughs) So, but Cooper Cup is now on the wrong side of 30 with increasingly lengthy injury history, like a few serious orthopedic injuries. And I just don't see how that is going to remain the approach, the 10 to 15 Cooper Cup targets. for you. I still think he's going to be a wide receiver one. But I, I think Stephon Diggs' role, I, his upside is just more locked in. And in a similar situation to Cooper Cup, where he's like the sun, the moon, and the stars of his passing offense, but it's just a far better overall passing offense. And he's just – has a far better durability history, still a far better overall offensive setup. And CeeDee Lamb made that tier jump last year. I don't think he's going to go down a tier. And I just think that 2021 is going to look more and more like an outlier 
for Cooper Cup, and I just lost what remains of my life savings by betting against <laughs> Cooper Cup. But uh, Kai, what do you think? Yeah, I think the only problem with this is that last year Cup the offense was like way worse. It was far less efficient. We're, we're talking way. Yeah, even like obviously just looking at the Stafford games, the Stafford Cup games, throw out the other ones. They were far less efficient, but it just didn't affect Cup in the slightest. Like he was as productive as he was in the year before. And, you know, I'm going to give McVeigh some credit on being mostly a smart coach and say, like, it's really difficult for him to say, let's spread the ball out around more when that means getting Van Jefferson and uh, 98 pound Tutu out well, more targets. Like, if they have the, if they really committed in the draft, like taking a first round receiver, they didn't have a first round pick, a second round receiver, or, you know, something like that, a receiver that we thought could really step in in week one. I'd say, yeah, they have avenues. Or if they spent some of the money that they absolutely did not have in free agency on a new receiver, sure. If they found other avenues to diverting targets from Cup, that is not a bad idea. This offense looked really good when they could get Odell Beckham involved or something like that. They just don't have that choice. And I don't think they'll I don't think they'll commit to the run game in that like McVeigh is smart and knows that like that's not how you win football games. But I think that's the out to him losing is that the offense craters and they also pass less. Because that was really what was driving Cup is that he was still the engine of the offense. And no matter how bad they got in 2022, they didn't stop passing. It, it, even when Stafford was his like Man, we we're chasing a pick six record with Stafford. I think we were going to get there. I think we are going to get there. He's still, uh, there's still time. He's going to do it this year. He's going he to. Do- I think he is literally close to the uh, career pick six record or something. He's like that. probably Maybe. not. Not the way some of those plumbers in the seventies like were just throwing it. <laughs> they didn't pass enough though. They didn't. But right, anyway, they didn't they didn't that's a good point. <laughs> anyway, even as it was very clear the offense was like borderline dysfunctional, the offensive line was falling apart. Cup was the engine and his stats held up. It wasn't as meaningful for their win, like their win column number, but it didn't change the way that he was clearly like the wide receiver one overall. The stat I just made up is that Terry Bradshaw threw eight pick six in his four Super Bowl victories. And it didn't matter <laughs> at all. They still easily won. Uh, you want to hear the most non predictive stat in the world, by the way? You want to hear yeah. like a super yeah. non predictive stat? I do. How many thousand yard seasons has 30 year old Cooper Cup had in his career? Two. Two? Denny Carter? Two. It is two. Two. <laughs> yeah, it's two. Yeah. Uh, it's two. No, but, so uh, a more also actually a completely not predictive stat. Stafford is three pick sixes away from tying the career record. He's who has the career record? John Kitna or something? Jeff no, George. this is so obvious. No, no, no. Oh, Favre. No, this is Favre. Favre. Obviously, it's Favre. Yes, it's Favre. Okay. Oh, my God. Hell, yeah. That, that The party has started, actually. He's when three he... away. And I want to say he got, like, two last year in the first eight games. So, like, we're probably, we were probably another season away. But, hey, it's a little bit of run good, and we could have gotten there. He's chasing it this year, baby. The party had not started until Brett Favre, like, audibled into, like, some hot route. And then, like, yes. the defense easily picked it up. <laughs> The, there was a game, actually. There was a game where the Packers played the Rams, I think, in, in – uh, Favre's last year in Green Bay, where he could have easily thrown like seven pick sixes. <laughs> I, I, re- I, I remember that. My favorite moment of Favre's career, I believe it might have been his final pick as a Jet, or final play as a Jet, where he did he he did a really elaborate audible, and I think a hurry up, and threw it, and it was like a slant directly to the defender. <laughs> I can't remember if it was a pick six, but... And like the Jets had like a kind of remote playoff chance, uh, hope if they had won in week seven yeah, right. in the year. And he just like totally torpedoed it. Oh, uh, well. It was amazing. Uh, nevertheless, 
Kyle, have we? I can't remember. Have we gotten a second bold prediction from you? I don't think we have. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, so I'll, I'll let her rip. I'll let her rip. We talked about this a little bit on the happy hour, but I'll go bold with it here. George Kittle, I won't say he goes tight end one, but he does reclaim the tight end two behind Travis Kelsey. I, I think we're getting an incredible discount on very arguably the best tight end of my lifetime, even with Travis Kelsey in the conversation. I mean, look at the past 20 years of data. George Kittle ranks first among all tight ends in their careers of the past 20 years in yards after the catch per reception. He ranks first in yards per route run, third in targets per route run. He also has three of the 12 highest yardage games of a tight end in the history of the NFL. Of the top 15 highest yardage games, no one appears on that list more than once outside of Kittle, who appears three times like his highs are so incredibly high and his talent is so incredibly high that yeah like there are quote mouths to feed like we are getting a i'm gonna say a quarterback upgrade but it is definitely like and more ambiguous less stable maybe you could say than jimmy garoppolo because our sample size on brock party is small i'll admit that but we're getting such an incredible discount on george kettle and i think it's very clear that he has the talent and the elite single game upside to patch together the tight end two overall season. So yeah, I'm going to say tight end two overall for George Kittle. Just real quick to the zoomers. Uh, Kittle does not hold a candle to Rob Gronkowski. Uh, Denny Carter on to you. Uh, I don't know about that. Can't not hold a candle is rough. I Gronk's great. So I, I get it, but that yeah, was probably Gronk, a bit of an exaggeration, but Gronk is a Brady creation. Oh, come on. Get <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm in for this take. I'm here. No, 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 no. no. Let's hear his take on George Kittle because I know Denny thinks Mark Andrews is maybe not just the tight end two. Maybe the, you're not. You weren't dabbling with Mark Andrews tight end one, are you? I, I've done that for the last three years. So why not? Why not do it again? Down. Quadruple down, I suppose. This, yeah. yeah. Here's what. Here's what I'm hearing, guys. This time it counts with Mark. It Andrews, does count. So. Um, Never count. Yeah. No. Kittle. Kittle is amazing. And and uh, in any other offense, he would probably be the greatest tight end of all time but kyle shanahan doesn't like scoring points doesn't like gaining yards no um you know outsmarts himself at every turn so george kittle will never be remembered in that way um if if he gets unleashed a little bit this year and if brock purdy stays under center for the whole year i think i think kyle could be on to something here i i'm i'm not and, and he kittle's just kind of blah geez, he's just kind of there in drafts like I, you know, I don't know anybody who targets Kittle. It was like, I got to have me some Kittle. You know, it's, it's I got to, well, <laughs> you know, yes, besides Kyle. But, you know, it, it's always like, oh, I got to get, I got to get on Pitts, on Goddard, whatever, you know, these great offense, great talents and everything. Oh, yeah, right. Kittle, get the offensive lineman. And, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's really good. I think with a little, with a little good fortune, he, he could end up being a, an amazing value. We're going to try to each do one more bold take. I'll do one final lukewarm take, by the way. This is, I don't, this is truly as lukewarm as it gets. Can I get in one more Kittle thing? You can. I don't want to hear about his, his blocking stuff. Like, it, like literally last year, highest route participation in the NFL of any tight end. Of the of the plays he was well, on that's the field. That's bad then. Why didn't he get targeted more then? He did get targeted more. Like, <laughs> Where where are we erasing his like seven? He was probably like oh. third in receiving yards, I'd imagine. He was I, I, literally I, ran the most routes of his team's routes of any tight end in the NFL. In terms of the passing matter. plays, he matter. was on the field for he ran three. He like blocked on three percent more of them than Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Like a very nominal number. 
Mark Andrews goes out and literally never blocks. And I'd kill for that. But Travis Kelsey doesn't do that either. And we also want our tight ends to be good enough, primarily run blockers, because they want to be out there for play action stuff, for red zone stuff. And that's how we get run good George Kittle touchdowns last year is not because like complete randomness. It's because you can put him out there for high leverage situations and he's more valuable there. Yeah, I, I should say, you know, Kittle was eighth in tight end pass routes last year, you know, and, and so it's it's not like we're getting a guy who's running 12 routes a game, you know, like that. that's like Chiga Conquo type stuff. But mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, so that's why I think that Kyle's take is is definitely in the range of outcomes. My final lukewarm take is I think we're all expecting more Eagles passing volume this year. And it was very, very vogue over the summer to be like, oh, I mean, Devontae Smith could finish ahead of A.J. Brown. You know, there's just so little difference between the two of them and their target shares and their reception totals. And my take is that any increased Eagles passing game volume is going to A.J. Brown. And that last year was Devontae Smith's ceiling. We still have not seen A.J. Brown's ceiling, either in the Eagles offense or just in the NFL. And that they are not nearly as close as we would like to believe. And some people, not everyone believes this, I'm trying to say. But like this idea that like it was almost just like an accident of history that it happened to be A.J. Brown (laughs) <laughs> with like you know, the more yards or whatever last year and that the, the target shares are similar, but I, anytime the volume increases, it doesn't like, it doesn't like increase evenly across the board. It always ends up going to like the primary weapons. And I, I think AJ Brown will comfortably finish ahead of Devontae. So again, this is not a hot take. I'm aware. Well, I, I, I haven't bought that at all that like, it could be Devontae Smith this year. Sure. But I, I do think that, like Kittle, uh, A.J. Brown is sort of the forgotten man among among receivers. He's going his wide receiver eight. Um, all I ever hear about is Diggs, Lamb going ahead of him, Garrett Wilson, Amon Ra going after him. Like, I don't think I've read one piece of analysis on A.J. Brown oh. this year because the analysis goes like this. He's the, he's, he's the only guy in the NFL who could have a top 10 – Season on a hundred targets. That that's the analysis on AJ Brown. <laughs> Denny, we're getting close to out of time. We need one more final molten hot take for I like the way you've been sneaking in extra hot takes by disagreeing <laughs> with our takes, by the way. Uh, I didn't mean to. Uh not hot but, takes, bold predictions. I don't we, we're not hot take artists. No, we don't do that. Uh I didn't go to college for that. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, my, my last one is that uh Jahan Dotson scores more fantasy points than Terry McLaurin. Whoa, um, and and I and I'm not saying by a lot, and I'm not saying Terry McLaurin like takes a clear back seat, but I think that we're looking at you know like a wide receiver one A one B situation, like you know, I mean I know you just talk about the Eagles, but like the Eagles last year with AJ Brown and and Smith, so you know Dotson when he finally got like truly healthy last year for the final five games of the season, okay. Um, cause he struggled with some injuries in the middle of the season. He sort of came back. He was taken out of games. He missed some, some, you know, uh, so, some of the parts of those games. Anyway, last five games, Terry McLaurin had 57 expected fantasy points. Jahan Dotson had 56. Uh, I, oh. yeah. And, and, and he's not some guy. He's a first round pick. No, he's, he's, he's good. Like he's, he's legit. McLaurin is going to enter the season with, toe injury that could drag on could maybe not we'll, we'll we'll see i think the upgraded quarterback i think eric Bieniemy, like bringing a, a modernized offense to washington which is just weird to, to even think about um 
after uh, years of Ron Rivera just just running a 1980 style offense, uh, I, I I do I do think that Dotson has has a shot to be the wide receiver one for the Commanders. I like that. Terry McLaurin is the kind of guy we'll just like. How many? It is like how many different times can we bet on Terry McLaurin? Yeah, right. And yeah, not yeah. that he's like a bad player. He's clearly a well no, very average good. player. But it's like, yeah. how many different times are we going to bet on this guy? Kyle, what is your final hot take for the twenty twenty? Excuse me, bold prediction. I don't bold know why am I saying hot take. We're not hot takers. What is your final bold prediction for the twenty twenty three NFL season? Javante Williams, RB one, says an inbound. Sean Payton, we know how much he used to love. Loves to use his running backs, but put some context to it. In his final five years with the Saints, they were 10th in running back expected fantasy points from rushing and first in expected fantasy points from receiving. And they ranked extremely well in points over expected on both those metrics, though, first and sixth. So not only did they give their running backs the ball an insane amount, they did really well in them. Some of that is talent for sure, but some of that is scheme. So to try and erase the talent, I moved back to the previous five-year block, mostly to crop out Alvin Kamara, because I think Alvin Kamara is so good that when you look at his usage, when you look at his efficiency, you'll say, you give him some credit that some of that is him. Looking at the previous five-year block of Sean Payton running back usage, they were 11th in expected fantasy points on the ground. And once again, first in expected fantasy points through the air to their entire backfield. And now you're going to a Denver team where... I think it's understandable that part of his plan that we've talked about to, I don't say hide Russell Wilson, but to hide the flaws of Russell Wilson is probably to play balanced in a way that me as a Marvin Mims and hopefully Jerry Judy's healthy kind of a lover will get frustrated at times. But I have paired that with also loving Javante Williams, meaning I love all these stupid Broncos. And since entering the league on all running backs, at least 150 carries, Javante ranks first in missed tackles forced per attempt, 10th in yards after contact, and 15th in explosive run rate. He is truly the complete package as a between-the-tackles explosive runner. He's not a bad pass catcher either, and we know that is a staple of the Sean Payton offense is throwing to his running backs. So I think the biggest sweat is that if if, if Javante goes out and completely cedes all the pass catching work to Samaj P. Ryan, it's possible. I don't think it's entirely likely, but I think it's possible. That's that's how we fail. But I think we've locked up a really strong role between the tackles and really strong efficiency between the tackles and the upside. The way we get to an RB9 finish or whatever is Javante makes the most of what is still a really strong pass catching skill set yeah. he has and pushes Samaj P. Ryan to more of a pure backup role. Did you guys leave any takes in the holster? Denny, you can weigh in on Javante Williams. I'm in. God, I'm I'm so in on that take. God, I'm just I really it all it makes sense to me. It just makes a lot of sense <laughs> that it, I mean because Javon he's health he's healthy apparently apparently he's okay. It's an Adrian Peterson situation with his knee and and so we have that going for us. Sean Payton, his uh, Kyle, those stats were amazing because you know they just confirm that Sean Payton is not messing around with running backs. Like he's going to feed them in the passing game. Importantly. And the running game, we've seen this happen before where he takes – Sean Payton takes, has taken nobodies and made them legit fantasy options. Javante Williams is actually good. I don't know if that totally matters in every situation, but I getting him in like the seventh round or whatever right now, I mean, I don't – sometimes I'm like, wait, what? Did I like miss some news? What's going on? He's out for the year, but yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, okay. I'll take him in the ninth round then. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The nobody's you reference Tim Hightower sends his regards, Denny. Oh, I'm sorry, Tim. I'm, I yeah. apologize. We're, we're essentially out of time. 
Did you guys have any left left in your notes that you just got to get yeah. out there? And, and I wouldn't do that one. to you, Pat, because you need to pack. No, we missed our flight. <laughs> oh, no. no, no okay. Okay. <laughs> do need to pack pretty badly, though. But uh, that was a good show. It's a good way to put a bow on it. Good way to put a bow on draft preparation season. August 31st, we'll all be drafting all week. I still have three drafts left, I think, which is going to be hard because I am going to a wedding. Um, but, you know, it's going to be drafting season. That's why you have to keep it locked to rotorworld.com. That's why you have to get the Rotorworld draft guide. I have to get my free last-minute rankings, Matthew Barry's rankings on the site. Uh, check out everything we did this week. We have so many live mock drafts. We went on the Fantasy Football Happy Hour, Kyle, Denny, and I. Do you have some at-large thoughts, really, on each position? kind of our approach at all four of the main fantasy positions this year. There's so much good stuff on the site, including never-ending blurbs. This news is still happening, as we saw with Jeff Wilson going on engine reserve this morning. So keep it locked to rotorworld.com. For Denny Carter, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. We'll be back next week in the regular season.